Welcome, welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. We are at episode number 22. And this is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Nashua, New Hampshire, Da Puma. That was good. Were you working on the Vince McMahon intro? On Dude, I've been working off? on it. I've been working on it. That How was good. We're that back, was, brother. We're that was back. Like, that was music to my ears right there. Yeah? That was good. Yeah. What's up, man? It's been like Dude, a month. It's been like a month, man. It's uh, It's been... Uh, I tell you what, this is going to be our best show ever. Right? No shit. I've I mean, saved up a lot. <laughs> I hope so. I have had a month to digest. Uh, it's glad to be back. Both of us have been away for about a month. Yep. Um, but I'm glad we're back, man. It's uh, it's right around the corner. Football season. We actually just started uh, Thursday night. The yeah. Hall of Fame game, yeah. You know? With the Pro Football, yeah. uh, the Pro Hall of Fame game. Yeah. So football season is back. So a uh, quick rundown of this uh, of this podcast. Um, we'll, you'll get the you'll get the Giants training camp action that me and uh, Dupuma went to yesterday. We'll give you a rundown of what we saw there. Yep. Um, we will talk about Zeke and Melvin Gordon and the holdout. Um, we will talk about Michael Thomas getting his massive contract. Getting paid. And then maybe try to hit on the Hall of Fame game as well and what Drew Locke showed us. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. Vic Fangio might be right. Vic Fangio is right. <laughs> Vic Fangio is right. Yeah, but other than that, man, how you been? It's been a whole month, man. Give me the rundown. What I'm happened? good. What happened in the world of Da Puma? In the world of Da Puma, let's see. Uh, went to went to France with the, well, then girlfriend, now fiance. Big Bra- news. Big Bra- news. Bra- big clock, clock, clock all the way around. Big news for Da Puma. Yep. He's getting hitched. Yep. Um, him Did- and the lovely Tara Evans are now Mr. and Mrs. Puma. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> We gotta set a date first. We're we're in the we're we're on deck to be Mr. and Mrs. Puma, but listen, I know this is a joyous time and I don't wanna be selfish here, but like I I know you mentioned it's gonna be next um, fall. Yeah. Right? If I can request to not be on a Saturday because of Buckeye football, that'd be great. I just wanna throw that out. Last there. time I checked. <laughs> It's Tara's Tara nice day. Damn it! And if you want to be this, uh, you know, the JP of the whole situation, you kind of have to march to the beat of our drum this time. I know. So, right? can I bring my? Can I bring a laptop or like an iPad? Oh yeah! Watch? If you start streaming shit, why not? If you start streaming shit at the altar, I'm gonna beat you to death with it. It's gonna be the most happiest and annoying day of my life. No, truthfully though, I'm super happy for you guys, man. I've known you guys as friends, but I've known you guys also as like a couple, and you guys are just absolutely so much uh, happier and just better all the way around as a couple so, oh my God. so I'm happy for you guys man thanks you know? thank you yeah did the uh, did the ultimate tacky thing I uh well not tacky I guess cliche uh proposed at the uh, at the Eiffel Tower so that's not tacky that's awesome man it is give, us, like, give us the rundown how did but, it happen but, okay so the, the, a week before we left I was thinking about it and it's like all right like we're going to France so like if you know we've already been talking about By the, the way, wedding right now. Tell you were ner- a little nervous before you left because you were like, Jay, I show you something. And I'm like, what's this? Well, and I you, didn't want. And you see the little well, nervous no, like, right? You were in my, you were in the house, and like the <laughs> ring is sitting right next to you. So like if I if I propose and then I put it in a in a, a text message, you'd be like, Hey Jay, I proposed to Tara. Like it would have been a bad look with you sitting right next to the goddamn thing on the couch. So it's like, all right, I'll, I'll tell you, yeah, because we're about to leave the next day. So it's like, who are you gonna tell in like six hours? Nobody, it's fine. Mass email to everybody. Yeah, know. no shit. <laughs> By the way, Brandon's getting hitched. Yeah. But uh, go no. ahead. So we we flew to France, but the week before I went home and went to uh, 
my uh, my my mom, she helped me pick the ring out because I didn't know what the fuck I was looking into, looking yeah. for. I just knew that I wanted to get a ring. It was something nice, and I knew if it was something shiny, it would have been putting putting it right over the top. So go to we go to K Jewelers in the Mall of New Hampshire, and we got the store manager. I'm gonna botch his name, Medrano. Like it's what like a, a Mil like Milan and Milano, but with a D in there. The dude was hilarious. So get the ring, get it rushed order. We're going to France. And I hate holding on to shit. So, like, that ring was burning a hole in my bag. So, we get to Paris. But, like, how, how did I, how did you work through security and that stuff? Like? Oh, I just buried it in my, I buried it in my bag. Okay. Like, I, I kind of put it, like, in the middle in case they threw my bag around in yeah. case I had to, like, check it. Yeah. yeah. But I kind of put it in a spot where the x-ray machine, it wouldn't be like, what the fuck is he trying to hide? I'm yeah. like, please don't make me propose in front of JFK. Well, my thought process was like, if you try to get through security and they somehow like <laughs> bring this out of your bag, would you have to do it immediately at that point? Well, then, if right? they like grab the bag, I was going to try to be like, listen, I have an engagement ring in here. Please don't make me propose in front of everyone in Terminal 3. Dude, could you imagine that? I would have been pissed. <laughs> like, really? I would have been pissed. But it didn't work out that way. So we get to Paris, and she's on the phone with this, uh, like, exchange, like, the exchange currency kind of deal. She put money on, uh, on like, a debit card, and the debit card got marked as fraudulent. Yeah. So it kind of locked the funds in there. So she was already thrilled with life talking to people, and the top of the Eiffel Tower was closed. And I'm like, all right, I'm right here. I have to propose at the Eiffel Tower at yeah, some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. So was I it day, night? What was the deal? It there? was uh, day. It was daytime. It was, like, okay. 11 o'clock. So we're running on like three hours of sleep. So we, we're at the foot of the Eiffel Tower. We're, we're, we're about to exit and there's like this little area with trees and stuff. And there wasn't a whole lot of tourists there. It's like, okay, like it's now or never. And we have this bit where we go back and forth to each other being like, you want to be stuck with me kind of deal. Oh my gosh, and, I'm crying over here. And I'm in tears. <laughs> so I ask her like, do you want to be stuck with me? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, good. Because I have a really important question I need to ask yeah. you. And I get down on one knee and I open the little, you know, Ever Us box. And on one side it says best friend, the other side it says true love. And she starts crying and then she says yes. And I'm like, thank God, because this would have been weird. Because it's it's cliche only because every time there's like a public proposal at like a baseball game or a football yeah. game, I switch look, pressure. I'm like it's switch pressure on the chick at that point. I'm like, okay, like the whole fucking world is literally looking at you, yeah. waiting for you to say yes. Like, you don't want to go viral as that bitch that fucking destroyed this guy's life. Right, you know right. So that's why I was like, God, I'm being what I, I despise. I'm doing it in front of the fucking Eiffel Tower. But, like, I'm purposely looking for a spot where there's, like, barely any tourists there. And I yeah. saw this one section where there was, like, one guy, and he was, like, ten paces ahead of us. Yeah. And there was nobody behind us. Like, all right, it's now or fucking never, Brandon. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. So did that. And then after that, you know, she had to take care of some uh, some business out there. And then yeah. we, we spent the rest of the time in Paris. And it was a great trip. Dude, so. I'm crying over here. Oh, look I'm at that for once, Chase crying. I, I, I do have a heart. Oh, now you have a heart. Before you bust my balls, being like, oh, Brandon's crying. Oh, let me do my weekly check-in. <laughs> well, Make yeah, sure Brandon's okay. Yeah, but this is real life shit. This is the stuff you can cry about. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my God. <laughs> So, no, yeah. but no, I am glad you guys are back. So I realized like when you guys are gone, like I, I, what do I do? What I, do I do? I have no friends here. Like I just like it's just unreal. You know what I'm saying? So like, glad you guys are back. Now let me talk. Let me let me ask you the real important question. 
How was the croissants out there? Oh, I can't have... Because I'm a big fan of croissants. Oh, the croissants are the best. Like, are they... I can't have a croissant here. Exactly. I can't have a croissant. I can't have coffee. Yeah. Like, even the cheese out there. I'm not a cheese guy, but, like, I really dove into, like, the foreign food pool. Yeah. And, like, the cheese out there is fantastic. Yeah. Like, I can't have a whole lot of things I used to have here a lot anymore yeah. because it can't hold a candle to what I had over there. Sure. No, croissants, man, for me, they're like the perfect bread, right? They're like delicious. They look like art. They're beautiful. You eat them. I mean, it's awesome. If I could have a croissant like every single day of the week with like either a burger or like an egg sandwich, I'll do it, I'll do it all, man. You know what I'm saying croissants are just fucking awesome to me, you know? Dude, the baguette over there too? Yeah. Oh my God. Everything. Everything was fucking fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. I'm glad you're back, man. Glad, yeah. Uh, glad you got, your, got that out of the system. Now Tara's going to lose you for a whole football season. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She's like, our, when I was already creating the leagues for, for our office league and then for, for the podcast league, you know, she was out, she was doing stuff that morning and she came back. I'm like, all right, the leagues are all set. She's like, okay, I'll see you in February. Like she already knew. She knows. She already knew I mean, that's, like that's, it was game uh, over. That's she a good already wife. knew I, I had a draft board ready. So that's a good wife right there, man. You yep. know it's fine. You, uh, <laughs> babe, I'll see you. I'll see you after the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's fine. She's kind of on board to watch Hard Knocks a little bit. Oh, so nice, nice. That nice. starts on Tuesday Killing at eight o'clock. Yeah, you excited about that? I'm oh, fuck yeah. That's, yeah. Why, that's why I ordered HBO. Yeah, yeah. Come awesome. on, I just bought a conflict diamond, man. And I ordered HBO. <laughs> I, just, I got bills to pay. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to enjoy every episode. So I have to ask a question, though. Did you or did you not lose your cool on a couple of Frenchies out there? No, I kept I, it I feel together. Like, I, I, feel almost, like I almost lost my cool. I feel like you would have gotten so mad that you have been like, we, we should have let you fucking lose the war, you pieces of shit. I almost did. <laughs> only because like I'm, I'm stressing... On the way home, because we were we we used like our you know our travel benefits to work, yeah. and we didn't make the first flight, and the gate agent was taking forever to process the person in front of us, and like you know fucking phones were ringing, and there was like other people working the counter, yeah. but like none of them were willing to help us, yeah. and we had an hour to get our boarding pass, hop on the train. Go to another terminal in De Gaulle, go through security again, and then find our fucking departure gate. And I'm like, you know, about to start smoking again, <laughs> like waiting for this this lady who I'm sure is a nice woman, but I'm about to lose my shit. And I'm, I'm holding back from saying, and this is why you got overrun in World War II. Bullshit like this. Like, I was ready to lose my mind. I was, And then she finally got to us and printed out our boarding pass. Like, okay. Have a good day. And I'm like, I'm about to fucking kill you. If I miss this flight, I swear to God. I swear to God. I just pictured. I just pictured. You know, American Franco relations are going to be in the toilet. I'm telling I, you I right just, now. I just picture you sitting there with the cowboy hat on. That hat right there. I almost went with the cowboy with, hat. With your chaps. You know what I'm saying? I almost went with, my, with the cowboy you know hat. Being like, y'all got them crescents? Y'all got them crescents over there? <laughs> How about y'all coffee? Y'all got coffee? Oh my god! Yeah, I was. I almost did. How's the coffee over there? Oh, coffee's fucking yeah. fantastic. Every morning, every morning, we woke up, went down to a little cafe or little. I, I fucking forget what the French word is for bar, but um, we'd have uh, we'd have double espresso with croissants and fucking dope ass omelets. Yeah. So yeah, dude, awesome man. It's hard coming back here. Oh but what about you? What'd you do on your month off? Dude, nothing really, man. Just uh, just worked away. Um, nothing really at all, truthfully. I went to LA for some work. Um, yeah. That was nice to be out How's there. How's our fans? Good, good. We have a couple of fans out there at the uh, at the Van Nuys facility. They're, those guys are awesome. Um, dude, LA is funny because like 
it's just the land of sushi and tacos. Like, mm-hmm. literally everywhere you look is high in sushi restaurants and taco trucks. <laughs> and that's, like, two of my favorite foods, right? So I'm, like, in heaven. You know, I had, like, sushi three nights a week there. It's fucking awesome. Right. But I, I will say, and I, I was talking to you about this the other day, like, I, I spent, like, six days out there in L.A., and I, I didn't see one single cop out there. Like, that that was kind of, like, alarming to me. In a city that's so big with so much, like, tension at all times, I saw no, no fucking cops out there, like... It was unreal, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was even in the carpool lane going, like, 80 miles per hour past the traffic with no second person in the car. And I was like, well, I haven't seen a cop yet, so what's the worst that can happen? They play at Chavez Ravine where the Dodgers play. You know, Echo Park. There's, like, 19,000 homeless people living in one part of Echo Park. Dude, the homeless apartment out there is pretty That's bad. crazy. And it's, it's all tense. Bad. Like, yeah. it's, you know, you don't see that in Boston or New yeah. York. I didn't really see a whole lot of homeless people in Paris. And then you go to L.A. Yeah. and it's just 10 city under bridges, 10 city in Echo Park, yeah. the, and you name it. It's it's crazy. It's yeah. yeah. Now one of my Uber drivers was telling me about how like the 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 mayor that's currently in office out there in L.A. is catching a bunch of heat because like apparently he shut down some homeless shelters in downtown L.A. Uh-huh. but he didn't build uh, enough like homeless shelters to like. Um, get the homeless people in there, you know what I'm saying? So they're just on the streets doing nothing, you know yep. what I'm saying? So it's just bad planning all the way around. So it was a good time. I went out there, had had, had some fun, learned, uh, learned a little bit, uh, did some team bonding, uh, made a bunch of sushi and tacos. So it was a good I time. heard you made the Wall of Fame? Yeah, I did. I did, yeah. So I walk into... So one of our good listeners, Aaron, out there, uh, he's a big uh, big Vikings fan. Shout Aaron to, the Vikings fan. Yeah, That's Aaron, what you're known as with Vikings me. Fan, right? So I go out there and like I like I've been uh, I was so uh, he, he works in the charter department and I, I didn't get a chance to get down there and see him as much as I wanted to just because it's super busy out there. But like on the fourth day he like calls me up in the morning he's like yo I need you to come down here and just kind of hang out and I'm like all right I'll be on there later on and I walk in and he's like listen I need you to sign this so and here's a picture of me with like uh, the Clearly See logo and the bottom it said uh, Pro Football Radio starring Depuma and uh, and Jay Chima right and I had to sign that just because he was like when you guys make it big I'll have the first copy you know? <laughs> and he hung it he hung it right by his uh, by his wall in the charter office out there so it's fucking awesome awesome so you got to go out there and you actually got to sign that as that's well, the point i gotta know? meet i gotta meet our you know our listeners yeah. our, our people yeah, so yeah. aaron the vikings fan yeah. i'm coming for you and so, and so aaron he listens to our podcast um uh, I, I don't know if kevin and richie do they said they might on the train i'm not sure about those guys uh, mike as well he said he listens to it so it's good stuff man you know yeah no Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So, do you want to talk some football? I like, guess we I mean, can talk we some are football. A football radio podcast. We've been sitting here gushing about feelings and and marriage and shit. You oh know? my god! <laughs> now the real fighting games begin. A fucking wedding planning. I can't wait, dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let the fucking games begin. So, are you guys gonna go like a, all a big wedding or like a smaller wedding? What's the deal here? I don't know. We just started looking at venues. Yeah. I mean, we we literally just made like I think it was through the knot like a fucking website or yeah. like you know stages of oh you're just at the starting stage. What day do you want to get hitched? And yeah. how, what, where do you want the venue? So, I mean, yeah. I think, I don't know, we're kind of in. What the fuck? How hard can we do to set up a wedding? You know, I mean, you say that now, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an oil well underneath my house, so. Yeah, we're gonna. Fu- I'm gonna YouTube how to wedding plan, and we'll fucking go from there. <laughs> You're be out there making your own little like uh, center. What do they call the center? These fucking centerpieces. Yeah. You know, my boy Mike did that, and they came out okay. You say, so I might enlist him. You're gonna spend five thousand dollars on some dumb shit like that. Just make it yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So yesterday, myself and Depuma took a little drive down from Connecticut uh, in the sweat box, aka my Mustang. Fuck. Dude, dude, I love you. <laughs> Just know I love you. I'm going to preface it with this. I love you. 
But never again, Jay, am I sitting in that car for an hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic. It wasn't that bad coming back. It wasn't that bad coming back, but the thing is, Jay, is we were sitting outside for three hours cooking. Granted, it was in the shade and we had a little bit of a breeze, but it's still traffic on the George Washington Bridge cooking in that fucking car. No, next time... I think I th- air conditioning. I think the Mustang has, um, I think it has a leak. I think it has an exhaust leak. That's why it's funneling so much heat into the car. Or there's something really wrong with my transmission. It's funneling a lot of heat into the car that way as well. I don't know. All I know, Jay, is I'm Brazilian <laughs> and it was too hot to be in that car. I can tell on the way back you're annoyed. I'm <laughs> you're like, like, dude, it was so hot. I'm falling asleep in your car. I'm falling asleep <laughs> in your car that is like has the fucking NASCAR exhaust. And that car, the engine. That car is an assault on the senses. You know what I'm saying? And I'm ready to take a nap. <laughs> I'm about to fall asleep. But anywho. But no, we went down to the Giants training camp. Um, great venue, by the way. Was I was awesome. actually surprised. Besides that little wait that we had about 45 minutes getting into the uh, the right. venue, it was a great venue, man. It was. Uh, the bleachers were covered yep. uh, in tents. I mean, that great food there. It there was, were a uh, lot of bleachers, too. Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. had great viewing angles of the whole practice. Um, it was cool to go out there, see these people in real life, uh, watch the Giants uh, uh, practice in real life. It was cool because they initially had a little session where they stretched, um, did the team drills by themselves, and then they had some scrimmages so we could watch, like, yep. actual 7-on-7, 11-on-11 kind of thing. So yep. that, was, that, was a good, uh, that was a good experience for us because, uh, you know, it's, it's good to see how these practices are set up. And on top of that, it was uh, good to see, you know, Eli Manning and Daniel Jones and you know, Golden Tate was a tiny, tiny piece Dude, of... Dude, Golden Tate's tiny. <laughs> right? And then Dexter Lawrence is fucking huge. Yeah, yeah. Like, he was insane. And one of the drills I was watching, it was uh, the defensive lineman where you have one of the skilled position coaches holding a football, and then you have another one holding pads, and he would throw... This guy would throw the ball, and the person with the pad would deflect it in the air, and it would be a tip ball yeah, drill. Yeah, I saw that. And, all, like, I think only one defensive lineman dropped the the ball yeah. so it's like all right you have like these 350 pounders that are nimble enough to like toe tap their way around and catch these balls like yeah. dexter lawrence was nimble as hell that day yeah. yesterday yeah and, um uh, we saw strolling shepherd out there as well catching some passes that was yep. a, that was a shocker because he had a broken thumb yep um who else looked good who else stood out jabil preppers yep jabil he, he was uh he good was, speed he didn't drop uh he didn't drop any yeah. punt uh punts on special teams mm-hmm. Um, and then even on the far practice field, you saw the, the quarterbacks working on botch snap drills, and yeah. they looked pretty good. And DJ got some first-team reps. And then yeah. re- most of the day, I think he was working with the second team. Yeah. But yeah. he looked pretty good. He had a couple of d- decent throws downfield. Eli missed one guy yeah, yeah. just by a step. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so at the end of the day, still practice, man, like, because we can say and dissect. Because there were a couple of throws that I thought, like, both Eli and DJ had that were just not good. Throws, oh, yeah, you know DJ saying? threw it in traffic, a pass that he, he had no business throwing right, the ball. So, I mean, there. at the end of the day, it's just, it's just practice. At the end of the day, I'm not going to read too much into it. It's just fun to see these guys out there. Now, the one guy that ever impressed the fuck out of him just because of physical stature was Saquon Barkley. The oh, guy, yeah. The guy is as thick as he is upstairs that he is downstairs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, he's cut out of granite. Yeah, like, I mean, normally, like, you know, athletes are cut like in a V shape, whereas, like, you know, broad shoulders. And then it kind of comes in. This guy is just a solid block all yep. the way down. No. He is very, very, uh, he's very well put together, you know? Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this too, just from like the crowd standpoint of, you know, all the, all like the major media and then any, any fan on the street is going to say like, oh, like Eli sucks and oh, like, you know, fuck Eli. It's all Eli's fault and all that crap. Yeah. But I will say is when Eli walked by our grandstand, 
almost everybody to a man and woman was up, like stopping short of giving that man a standing ovation. Well, yeah, like, they're, they're Giants all, fans. They're I mean, all behind him. I mean, yeah, but, but they're also like the harshest critics, and like they're still applauding that guy. And then even uh, even with Daniel Jones, he was having a couple of couple of decent throws. You know, there was a guy next to me, I think it was dipping Copenhagen at the time, but he was like, you know, yelling like, come on, DJ, like waiting yeah. for him to uncork one. So yeah. it, it seems like the fans, despite some of the front office moves, are kind of like uh, slowly buying into what the process is. Yeah. So that was kind of good to see, too. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, it was a fun experience. Um, what was your biggest takeaway from that camp? Uh, biggest takeaway, uh, it looks like Eli's still the guy yeah. uh, for the time being. Uh, Saquon's probably going to touch the ball 500 times, yeah. depending on yeah. how the Golden Tate uh, possible suspension goes. Mm-hmm. But uh, the offensive line, I think the offensive line is going to be better. Uh, Nate Soldier is second year in that system, and then uh, he's going to have a little bit more say, I guess, or you know, have a little more wherewithal with yeah. the playbook. And then um, that Zeitler kid they picked up in the trade from Cleveland, I think that's going to be huge for the offensive yeah. line. So so I I, uh, I have two takeaways from the uh, the practice yesterday. Um, both Eli and Daniel, and all, actually all four quarterbacks, struggled against man-to-man pressure. Yeah. Um, anytime there was man-to-man on the receivers, it was, yeah, it was completed, but then there's a lot of, like, tipped and stuff. They're throwing in traffic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, either that could be one of two things. Those guys just don't have the wherewithal of where to throw the ball. Or these DBs are much better than we thought they are. Mm. It's one of the two. Um, they're great against uh, zone coverage. Those guys were just it in there easily. Uh, additionally, the linebacking group was actually really fast. I was surprised. Maybe it's just because I haven't seen NFL linebackers in person. But they're obviously, quick. right? Like you have the three groups, right? You have the DB super fast, right? You have like the defensive line, offensive linemen, not that fast. But these linebackers, man, they're massive, mm-hmm. but they're still moving like the DBs. And I'm just like, oh my right. god, these Alec guys Ogletree are, yeah. is like the I think he's the middle linebacker for the Giants and. I mean, he's a big guy, yeah. and he's moving like a defensive back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, geez, it, the way they drop in coverage, I was like, that's, damn, those guys get deep quickly. You know, the defense is going to be improved over last year. Yeah, yeah, of course, that, man. Defense sure. is going to be good, right? At the end of the day, the, the Giants always had a good pass rush, always had a good defense. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully, the quarterback plays up to par, and those guys can win a few games. You know, yeah. I personally think it's going to be an eight and eight, maybe a below five hundred year for them. But oh, it's knows. probably going to be below five hundred. But yeah. the the NFC East always log jams. So, like, yeah. even at the end, like, who knows? They might be in it for a playoff yeah, spot because yeah, I mean, the NFC the way is historically it, long It's going to be the Eagles and the Cowboys vying for that division. And then third and fourth is going to be Redskins and Giants. One, one, one right. Another, so. uh, speaking of the, uh, the Cowboys, um, major development coming out of Cowboys training camp. Uh, my boy, a former Buckeye, go Buckeyes, yep. Ezekiel Elliott has decided to hold out and not show up to training camp. Um, additionally, another prominent running back by the name of Melvin Gordon for the Los Angeles Chargers um, also decided not to show for training camp and holding out for a bigger extension. Um, yep. Melvin Gordon is at the point now where his offer is uh, embarrassing low from what he thinks is a good offer. Um, and his team and Melvin Gordon have requested a trade from the Chargers. Yeah. In Zeke's case, he is uh, apparently still negotiating, but he's just decided to take his talents to Cabo for an extended vacation. You've got to have some tequila um, shit. So my, my, here's my thought process. I, at the end of the day believe that running backs are a dime a dozen, right? Um, those guys are expendable, in my personal opinion. Um, I believe you don't pay a running back big money like they're requesting. What Todd Gurley, like the contract that he got, was stupid in the eyes of the Rams. Like, sure, I get it. The guy produces. You got to give him his money. But what he did, what the money he got is something that I'm sure that Jerry Jones and the Chargers are not willing to go and pay these running backs. 
Um, I've watched the Patriots and I've seen, you know, just throwing anybody out there to win Super Bowls. And Jerry Jones said it himself that you don't need a rushing title um, champion to win uh, a Super Bowl. Um, so I, my thought process is you kind of play it out, man. See how see how far you want to take it with these guys. You you call their bluff and see how far Zeke and Melvin Gordon want to take it. Well, it's funny that, you know, Jerry Jones said that comment when... And I think it was 91 or 92. Emmett Smith, yeah. Emmett Smith sat out two games. Mm -hmm. And then they acquiesced and gave him, like, at the time of record-setting contract of $15 million per year. And then they won the Super Bowl that year. But that's a different NFL. That NFL was just different. It's it's Emmett Smith. Granted, it's back in the 90s when you ran the ball 50 times a game. It's a different NFL nowadays. It's an air-raid offense everywhere. Right. But then if you look at, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, NFL media's tweet, uh, which hit it perfectly on the head, this Dallas roster is Zeke-dependent. The offense runs through him. Was it smart to build the team around him? That's another issue. But it's built around him. That's why he has leverage. If they had three stud wide receivers, a great tight end, and a top-tier quarterback, they could call his bluff. But at this point, they're they know they have the wherewithal that they know they're going to have to reset the market. They just don't want to pay him mm-hmm. the Todd Gurley money when clearly we know what that offense looks like when Zeke's not there, sure. and it's it's pathetic. For lack of a better term, it is a pathetic offense when Zeke is not behind uh, that offensive line. So I think if they want to contend for Super Bowls or playoff appearances, they're going to need Zeke Zeke there. On the other side with Gordon. I don't think he has any leverage. I think he read yeah. the market wrong. Yep. Uh, for a guy that's been banged up the last couple of years, uh, I think he had one full season his rookie year. He's not averaging more than four yards per carry. I think the offer that the Chargers gave him of $10 million per year, that would put him fourth behind, um, let's see, Gurley, Lev Bell, uh, David Johnson, and then that would put him fourth just ahead of Devonta Freeman. I think that's the best offer he's going to get because – no other team is going to want to trade a draft pick and pay him at the same time. So I think he's going to report to camp. I expect Zeke to be there before August 6th because there's no way Elliot's going to want to add another year before he can be eligible for a free agency yeah. if they don't get an extension. Yeah. I um, So my thought process is you are correct in the fact that Zeke has more leverage than than uh, Melvin Gordon, mm-hmm. but I still wouldn't pay both those guys. Like I have a fundamental belief that – you don't win three running backs in the NFL. The NFL is, in a simple nutshell, it's a quarterback-driven league, right? How good is your quarterback, A? And B, how can you get to that quarterback? How can your defensive ends get to that quarterback? So you pay money for people that can get to that quarterback, right? Right. Um, the rest of it, it's just filler. Like, I mean, look at the Patriots. These guys, and I keep bringing up the Patriots because I watched these guys for the last, like, you know, Yeah, but years. look who's a quarterback for the Patriots. And then look who's quarterback for the Cowboys. Like, sure. Dak Prescott's middle of the road. But this, 15, but like this, top 15 is being kind. But this is twofold here where the Cowboys can go and see if Dak is worth that worth that money as well. Can Dak perform without Zeke Elliott? Is Dak, a, is Dak that elite quarterback that can push his team along without Zeke Elliott? So this is like a twofold thing here they can kind of figure out this season. Mm-hmm. Do they want to pay Dak? So with that, with that being said, I mean, you can just, uh, that way you can see this year if Dak Prescott is worthy of that money or not, right? This is a great litmus test for the Cowboys and Jerry Jones and the um, ownership group to see without Ezekiel Elliott, what can Dak Prescott do? And if he does come out of this with flying colors, if he does go out there without Zeke this year and just tears it up and lights the league on fire, then you pay the man. Pay yeah. Dak. 
I'm with like I'm with the school of thought of Zeke has this uh, this team and this offense by the balls with we, what we've already seen when he's not there. You pay Zeke, you hit Dak with the pre, uh, Dak with the franchise tag, and say if he underperforms, you don't have to worry about a contract extension. If he lights it up, then you can pay him. But yeah. I mean, a franchise tag would be almost thirty million dollars, so that would still be a pay bump either way. If he doesn't get a new contract, pay Zeke. The offense goes through him. It, Got the shit done, right? No shit. No <laughs> shit. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, second topic of the day, we have uh, Michael Thomas getting paid. Yep. Up in, bills uh, raining. Up in, uh, up in New Orleans, man. Uh, looks like the guy got a five-year, $100 million contract, um, 61 guaranteed, which makes him the highest paid, non, uh, highest paid non-quarterback offensive player of all time. Shit ton of money for Michael uh, Michael Thomas, man. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I I think he's deserving of it. Uh, pro per Pro Football Focus say that three times fast. Uh, he had almost an eighty percent catch rate. Like he never he if you threw him a ball, he's he wasn't it. dropping it. He's catching he was dro- he was catching it every single time, and especially when he's doing it without like a Robin uh, to support him. It was really just him and old man Ted Ginn. Who missed like what, like four games last year with the with yeah. the injury? Yeah. So it was really like Ben Watson was the the other leading receiver on that team. So yeah, pay him. the The guarantees are kind of tied to you know how long we predict Drew Brees is probably still going to be playing too. So who knows? I think he's worth it. Yeah, I think um, so for a couple of reasons. I've had a couple of different takes on this. I, I thought he was a system wide receiver, um, but at the end of the day, man, you're right. There's nobody else down there. It's just basically Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara and Drew Brees, right? Um, yep. There's nobody else that you really can throw to. Um, so you pay the man. Um, you get it over with. You lock him up for um, the end of Drew Brees' career. This also extends Drew Brees' life shelf a little bit, right? You give him a you give him a bona fide wide receiver, and how we've seen Drew Brees the last couple of years. Um, you know, he started out hot, kind of fizzled towards the end, but. Cliff. He still- but he still put his team in position to either win an NFC championship or the Super Bowl. So um, this will solidify that wide receiver position, that number one spot. Now it's just about going out there this offseason and trying to get somebody or developing a second guy to complement Michael Thomas. Right, right. I mean, the other wide receiver down there that could probably take some some pressure off him would be, uh, I think it's uh, Traquan Smith. He, he showed flashes last year, but... Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I, like I said, I think he's worth money, so good, good move on to one of taking care of their guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, uh, this solidifies um, him as one of the top wide receivers in the league, where at the end of the day, he had the stats to back it up, but now he has the contract and yep. the prestige as well. Um, so the way I see this shaking out is, man, I see it as uh, DeAndre Hopkins, um, Julio Jones, OBJ at three, and then number four, Michael Thomas right there, man. The guy deserves to have his name up there with those guys. Um, he's come a long way from what I've seen him at Ohio State. I've watched him for a few years and uh, he was just another guy man he just kind of melted in the background and never really made the big plays um truthfully he was overshadowed by a couple other guys like noah brown um and paris campbell and these other guys at ohio state that overshadowed him so maybe it's just one of those things where he went down there and got into a perfect system for uh, with the perfect quarterback for him and he just lit the world on fire so yeah now the one person licking the shops is Julio Jones. Julio, um, and that guy is just looking at this and he's like, "Wow, I'm gonna get paid as well too now." <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, I don't think it's gonna be record like market reset. I think it's probably gonna be closer to uh, to what AB got when he uh, he got traded and re-signed with Oakland and got new money. I would expect probably like a three or four year deal worth like thirty five million, but annually he'll probably be the highest paid receiver in the league. I think that's what you're gonna get for a guy that's you know. Entering towards the end of his prime, he's I think entering his age thirty-one season. So yeah, I mean Arthur Blank's going to take care of him. They they kind of sidestepped that whole long-term contract extension years ago, and um, I think uh, Arthur Blank's the man of his word. He's going to take care of him, and that that's it. The fun little sidetrack question here: 
Six seconds left, fourth and two, Super Bowl. You're at the, you need a touchdown to win the game. Which, uh, which wide receiver are you taking for the fade route in the history of the NFL? The history of the yeah. NFL? Yep. Oh, God. Uh, I'm huh. taking Randy Moss. I'm taking Randy Moss with that fade, man. With his height and his ability to jump out of the, out of the building. He probably would have to. Yeah. He, he, well, he's out there, right? I mean, Tory Holt, yeah. Tory Holt, and fucking because uh, because Julio does the fade very well with his impending body yeah. and how big he is, right? Um, he could do it very well as well. But the a close second for me would be Calvin Johnson. Oh no, shit! Calvin I mean, Johnson he is, the most, is the most underrated wide receiver I think in NFL history. Mm-hmm. The guy was phenomenal. He could run just as fast, a tad bit slower than Randy Moss, and he was built like a fucking linebacker. Like no shit, the guy. He threw it up there, it was and over. he caught it. It was just Dude, a shame he was on some pretty bad Detroit I know. I mean, team. Plus, he's with Matthew Stafford. I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, that's what it is. But I did remember a game where they had three people just surrounding Calvin Johnson at the end zone, and he still went up and got the ball and caught a touchdown. Yep. So. No, fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You kind of have to take Moss in that situation. Right? Moss. It is Moss. Moss them, right? Yeah, no shit. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, moving uh, to the next topic. The Hall of Fame game and Drew Locke. Yeah, um, God. <laughs> we finally had some football back, man. It was great to come home after work on a Thursday night, sit down, turn on the fucking TV, like football. It was, it was awesome. Right, um, right. Sure, it was, a, it was a crap preseason game. Um, there's uh, no starters playing whatsoever. It was a lot of Drew Locke and with Matt Hogan, right? Yep, um, and Hogan then, and Drew Locke played for like a quarter. Yeah, um, it's early. It's, it's preseason game one, but you kind of saw what Vic Fangio was talking about with the media of Drew Locke is like if you compare it to baseball, he's a thrower and not a pitcher. There's no real finesse with the ball, so you saw that at times. I think he went like seven for eleven with like thirty-four total yards, and he overthrew a couple of people. I mean, I. I saw what I needed to see at this point. I'll, I'll, I'll still see, like, if there's progression from, like, preseason game two to, to, to game three and compare that to this. So but what do you mean by you've seen what you've needed to see already? Like, what, what does that mean? I you? mean, if you look at what Vic Fangio... Because Fangi- with that comment, that means you think he's a bust now. I'm not saying he's a bust, but, like, if you look at what Vic Fangio said, yeah. where, I mean, there's really... He's the most green prospect out of anyone in the NFL draft in the quarterback class, but people had him ranked against uh, ahead of... Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins at times. Yeah. It's like you, those people that had him ranked where he was, and then you look at what you saw on Thursday. Yeah. How can you like? How can you logically say that in the draft process he was ahead of these guys just because he could throw the ball downfield? Yeah, and that's uh, that's the one thing that John Elway always does. I think is just he falls in love with an arm. He falls in love with that fucking arm, and he has a great can. Let's let's be frank about this. Oh yeah, he can throw the ball downfield, but uh, I mean he has no touch on the ball. Yeah. Like so listen, he, he could have put. I mean Chris Collinsworth was saying if he put some air on the ball, he yeah. would have hit that guy in stride. Yeah, yeah, I remember that comment as well because you were just dropping into the bucket there. Here, here's the thing, man. It's a little too early for just any proclamations, right? Um, I could I could easily come in here today, sit down and say Drew Locke, piece of crap. You know what I'm saying? Or Daniel Jones, piece of crap. Like at the end of the day, it's too early right now to judge anything on these guys. We were at the Giants training camp yesterday, and I did see some bad throws from Daniel Jones, yeah. but I'm not gonna hold that against him. Dude's learning the system, right? And especially for for Drew Locke, the dude came from Missouri uh, in the SEC where they would not call the plays. Basically, the coaches just signaled them in. Every single position group on the offense would look over to the sideline have their um, play called out, 
and they would line up. So this is all new for Drew Locke to actually get the play called into him and then disseminate that information to his team. Right. So it's new for him. It's a learning curve even bigger than Daniel Jones' learning curve. So it's a little too early to go down that road. But I, I will say this, though. If you compare both camps, yeah. you'll have, like, Saquon and a couple other people and, like, the offensive coordinator and even the head coach of the Giants saying that Daniel Jones is picking up the offense quicker than expected yeah. and other wide receivers are saying he's putting the ball where it needs to. Uh, unless I'm not following enough people on Twitter from from the Broncos side of the world, the only person that ever said anything was Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio kind of threw him under the greyhound. Well, I mean, it could be one of those things where there's other politics in play here, right? It's one of those things where maybe the Giants camp is more, I don't know, quarterback friendly. Who knows? Maybe they're covering it up. I just don't know. It's too early mm-hmm. right now to make all these proclamations. Like, let's wait till at least a year in. I think by week, let's say by week 12, right, if they're starting for four or five weeks, and they're not progressing, and they still look like shit like last night, then you're like, fuck, this is bad, you know? I'm just saying, if Joe Flacco goes down week one, and it's between Hogan and, and Locke, yeah. yo, nope. That's that's like the meme with like the guy brushing his well, forehead listen, with the two buttons. Well, listen, this is how this is how green this quarterback is in Drew Locke. There was that story on the, the telecast on Thursday night where apparently he would mimic this at home, trying to get the play called into him and reciting the information to him. For him, it's all new getting that play call and disseminating that information out. So he would, you know, have his cell phone to his uh, to his ear and he'll have the recorded plays in the cell phone, play it to him. Once he's get the information, he'll run to the mirror, recite that information back to the mirror as if he's reciting it to the team so that's how green he is with the disseminating information via play calling another thing i thought was funny and i i kind of rewatched it like three times was chris collinsworth i'm gonna do a really bad impersonation let's let's watch this let's hear this here's a guy that he's from he's from missouri it's not really the best sec team and he never really had the best offensive line and his wide receivers were never really gonna win the matchups uh, in college, and I, I rewound that, and I listened to it. Like he was trying to give Locke an out, and yeah. I understood he was yeah. trying to do that. But I rewound it, and I re-listened to it, and I typed it up on Twitter. That's pretty much what Daniel Jones had at Duke. But like, but that but, just blew my but mind. But at the end like, of the day, the, the competition, the ACC, is nowhere as good as the competition in the SEC. But clearly, what Drew Locke was going against against NFL defenses was not what Daniel Jones was going against. But he is a pro ready. Who that? Lock. I mean, clearly. Well, so is it Daniel Jones. Like, I mean, he if was you go in the off more of, pro if you, offense. If you go off of Daniel Jones's numbers in college and his production, he is not ready for the NFL either. But Against look- a crappier conference with a crappier um, difficulty of play, like he didn't produce at that level. Yeah, you know? but Daniel Jones didn't have to look to the sideline with two guys with That's a giant different. hamburger helper. Yeah, I, I get he that. could call an offense. He could call protections. I get I don't that. Think, I don't think Drew Locke has ever called an offensive line protection in his life. Correct. Up until last uh, Thursday. Yeah, and, and that's that's gonna be his biggest hurdle. Like if he can if he can master that, that's gonna be that's gonna be <laughs> half the battle right there. Getting terminology down right. in the NFL, you know. But it's just like again, if if you look at like these personalities, like uh, like uh, you know Dan Orlovsky, we we've all made our bones about Orlov. He's a piece of crap. And then you know um, I hate watching him. And then all these other like draft analysts, and it's like they're saying all the stuff about him, and then they're comparing it to like Haskins and and uh, and Daniel Jones. It's like in what world were you seeing? what you saw and then translating it to Thursday night like that, that dude not to go off on a side tangent but the ESPN commentators are fucking crap dude whether it's Dan Orlowski or um, what's the other guy Dominique Foxworth fucking annoying as hell and then one other guy um, he's like the fake wannabe Stephen A. Smith walks off the set um, 
Ryan Hollins, Ryan Hollins. Yep. Dude, there are just a bunch of crap personalities on ESPN. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. I don't watch ESPN anymore. I watch FS1 straight up. I watch the uh, the 9.30 a.m. Um, Undisputed show, and then mm-hmm. I watch uh, Colin Card at 12. And sometimes I'll even watch Speak for Yourself at uh, 3 p.m. with uh, Whitlock and uh, what's his boy? What's his name? Mar- Marcel Smiley. Yep. That's pretty good. It's great. I mean, we were watching that. Really, the only time I watch ESPN is just to see Stephen A. Smith sound bites, and I'll show it to Tara because I converted Tara to being like... He was on crack! Stephen A. Smith. Who was on crack? I'm having a very bad day. I'm in no mood. No, they just... Oh, dude, I don't want to play with anybody. ESPN commentators are bad, dude. Right. They're but, bad all But in short, like comparing like the draft picks this year, what I am going to watch is on Thursday, the Jets and Giants, they play a week one of preseason. And I'm expecting Daniel Jones to probably get a lot of run in the second quarter. So I'll watch that and compare it. And I mean, I'm with you. If Daniel Jones is sucking a bag of dicks... In, in game two, I'm gonna call. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge Daniel Jones. Well, I don't know if you're gonna call it though. I don't know if you're gonna call it though. I'm gonna call it. You're head over heels in love with this I'm guy already. You know I mean, you you heard me at training camp yesterday oh, and, dude, and earlier where I was like, he's throwing in the traffic. He probably should have just thrown the ball away. Like, you know, you're calling it for for what it is. So if he's stinking up the joint in game one of preseason, like, oh yeah, absolutely, I'll be, be keeping it a hundred with him, but. <laughs> All those people that are saying Drew Locke should be going ahead of Haskins and Daniel Jones, they might they might want to relook at their scouting evaluations and, and get back to us. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, the last thing we want to touch on is the situation in Washington. Oh yeah. Um, you want to give us more on that? Yeah. So uh, in the blue corner you have Trent Williams, uh, probably one of the better offensive tackles in the uh, in the NFL, and in the red corner you have uh, the Washington Redskins. So this stems back to the end of the 2018 season. Uh, medical staff. They were, uh, they were looking at Trent Williams, and they noticed a growth on his forehead. They believed it to be malignant. Uh, so Trent Williams, he went under the knife, and he had, uh, he had a pretty extensive surgery done on it to, to get it removed. Uh, it's just a, under the scalp line. And they found out that it was non-malignant, uh, thank God. But that kind of torched all trust with the medical staff of the Washington Redskins. Uh, he doesn't want to show uh, to training camp. He missed mandatory minicamp. He sat out training camp so far. Uh, Washington's kind of in this war of attrition where they think that all these fines piling up are going to make Trent Williams show up. And I don't think Trent's going to show up. If it's strictly a medical issue and not a contract thing, I don't think he's going to sit it out until he gets straight or cut. Yeah. I, um, listen, I have a fundamental belief that an NFL player or an NBA player should have two OKs or two checks before he gets back onto the field or the court. Um, whether it's uh, so the two checks would be the personal doctor checking him off and clearing him, and then the team doctor checking him off and clearing the the player before mm-hmm. he returns to action. Um, too many times you've seen this now, especially with the NBA, with how Kawhi Leonard, uh, Kevin Durant, how those uh, situations played out. Uh, these team doctors push these players back on the court because they have a vested interest as being a team doctor. Right. Like they want these guys back on the court, making money, winning games. It is what it is, right? And I truly believe this upcoming CBA, they should really have like a conversation with the CBA, uh, with, the, with the owners, about how there should be two lines of checks before players get back on the field. Whether it's um, uh, you know an independent doctor or their own personal doctor and the team doctor, uh, both of them should have a say before the player gets back on the field if he's healthy or not. Right. And especially like with Washington, like you have a rookie quarterback that's expected to take the reins. Either straight out of camp or probably after week four or five when they go through the widow maker of their, the beginning part of the schedule. And their offensive line is sketchy at best without Trent Williams. 
I mean, they, they signed Donald Penn, who two years ago was one of the better run-blocking offensive linemen. He was pretty decent uh, as a pass protector, but he's not Trent Williams. Uh, do you really want a rookie quarterback to step into that situation with a, a sieve of an offensive line? I think really the only solution for this would be uh, Trent Williams gets traded. I mean, they can't cut him and eat, yeah. you know, eat the, the cap money. So either trade him to Houston where they have to protect Deshaun Watson. He was sacked like 62 times. Uh, you can send him to Cleveland where their one chink in the armor is on the left side of the offensive line since Zeitler got traded to the Giants. Or he gets shipped off to New England, who I think was one of the first teams to be calling Washington for a potential deal, uh, where they could put him on the line since they lost um, Trent Brown to Oakland. They, uh, th this cat, Isaiah Wynn. Win. Yeah. Uh, he's coming off uh, an Achilles injury. He's kind of slowly going through camp, whereas at least if you put Trent Williams on that line, it's kind of plug and play. There's no issue. You protect the greatest of all time. Go from there. Yeah. It's just I don't know what kind of draft compensation Washington is expecting. I think you'd probably get like a, a, a maybe a fourth rounder at best, maybe third. I just don't know if they're going to accept that offer. Yeah, and uh, I think at this point the relationship is too strained. It's too toxic. They have to get. They have, they to, have to get him. rid of him. Even if you bring him back, he's not going to be a happy camper in the locker right. room. He's going to turn things toxic. Like even if even if Dan Snyder gets in a, a private helicopter, a private jet, and flies over to Trent Williams's house and offers him like the most money any tackle's ever been paid. Like, do you really want that person that's, like, been paid off but still has trust issues with the training staff? Which, yeah. over the last three years, if you look, that team has led the league with people on uh, on IR. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, also, like, if you, a little suspect of, like, the conditioning staff. Like, if you have no faith, you're obviously not going to fire the whole training staff, including the doctors. You have to trade them. So all I'm saying is... Uh with how much vitriol that went towards Kawhi Leonard's way for sitting out in San Antonio, mm -hmm. like, he's got to be looking at the story and saying, I was fucking right. Like, what did I tell you guys? Right. Like, he, when you sit back and you see what happened with Kevin Durant, what you're seeing what happened with, with the Redskins, like, Kawhi Leonard is sitting back saying, like, I was fucking right to do what I have to do. Oh, like, shit. team doctors aren't paid by the players. They're paid by the team to get these people back on the fucking field, mm -hmm. right? So, I, I don't know. I, I, looking back, like, Kawhi Leonard did the... Pull the right move. You got fucking jackasses like Skip Bayless, you know, calling him out for that. But at the end of the day, he did it right. And, you know, the proof is putting now. You see all these fucking guys out there um, tearing Achilles like Kevin Durant or fucking going through the Right. And then, like, Trent Williams, there was a story. I think it was Jason Lockenfor or one of the other cats from CBS Sports. It is a story of how Trent Williams was playing with, like, either, like, a grade two MCL sprain in his knee. And, like, he didn't want – it was in the middle of a playoff race. He didn't want to miss time because the team was still on the hunt. So you have this guy that's, like, putting his body on the line every time playing hurt, and then you kind of spook him with this medical thing, and he has no faith in you guys. That yeah, absolutely. Trent needs to – he needs out of that building for All sure. Right. And everyone – have an amicable split at that point. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, anything else you want to get to, good man? Or are we good here? I don't know. 18-game uh, season real quick? Sure, why not? Let's go for it. So, I don't know. While we were on vacation, uh, the owners of the league, they kind of broached this idea of what some people are calling the 18-16 proposal, where you have 18 games in a single season, no players eligible for 16 games. Uh, I don't think it's that great of an idea. I think what they're trying – I get it. Like, they want to get rid of preseason, but – by getting rid of the preseason and making no player eligible for more than 16 games, you're putting like preseason type players in lack of development and injecting it in the middle of a playoff race. Yeah. 
I, I personally like the idea. Uh, I am all for more valuable real football, um, less preseason games. Um, the only thing that I um, have a little bit of an issue with is the uh, players can only play 16 games out of the 18. But on the other side of that is uh, it will bring a lot more strategy back into the game, right? You will have to figure out, um, you know, when can I play my quarterback for 16 games? Like when do I need him the most? Will I want to, you know, front load his games and then have him a couple weeks off and then, you know, finish out the season strong? Do you want to set him out two games in the beginning and play him 16 straight games? Like what what strategy will these owners and teams and players um, come to agree to? Uh, additionally, uh, I think it will really make the, the, the secondary market for like quarterbacks and running backs and whatever receivers like kind of take off like it'll bring a bunch of new blood into the nfl you know right and hopefully that will bring up more roster spots right that, that it'd be great but like the biggest complaint is they don't have enough time to develop you know offensive and defensive linemen and then quarterbacks like there's with the cba there's so many limitations on you know how many practices you can do like the two days aren't there anymore you have one like one full-on padded practice and with contact a week like it if you had a developmental league, I could understand of, you know, hey, there's something where we could put our twos and threes and get more game action, then call them up kind of deal. But I can't name more than three good offensive lines. And I think this rule would be fine up until Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers gets obliterated by a defensive end because they had a number three starting on the offensive line yeah. who had no business being in there in the first place. And then if you think about it, the Dolphins got in trouble last year for at the last minute they said uh, Ryan Tannehill was a full participant in practice. And then almost like two hours before game time, they said, oh, he's not playing. He was out with a shoulder injury. And the, the, the Chicago Bears, they lost, which is neither here nor there. They lost the game. But with the growing aspect of sports betting and gambling getting involved, yeah. you have to – I would imagine you would have to at least come out by a certain date saying – when this player is sitting, when they're starting, so they can adjust the lines properly. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think it's an actual tangible um, uh, negotiating tool here. Like, I think the owners are just being the fucking owners. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they're just using this as a as a pawn in the game. Yeah, it's just you know? a chip. It's not. It's nothing. It's nothing of relevance here. So whatever. We'll see how this pans out. I say, put it down on the board. Brandon Napuma Silva says, sixteen games. For here until like the end of time at this no, point. No, no, they're gonna eventually. At this rate, you're gonna get. If anything, you're gonna get 19 games and two bye weeks. But like, there's no way you're gonna get like 18 games with 16 games of players being eligible. Yeah. I just, I don't see it. Cool. All right, man. We're at that show. We're at the time of the show where you plug it up as usual. So Facebook, Instagram, you can find us the Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter PFR Podcast. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Brando underscore Puma. Jay Chima is at Jay Chima. Uh, you can find content on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube, Stitcher. Uh, let us know what your feedback is on the podcast. We want to make this more tailored towards you. This is about you guys. And for those of you that are lucky enough to be in the Pro Football Fantasy League, be sure to check your inboxes, activate your team. The, the draft is going to be set for August 30th, the day before final cutdown day. Uh, we should be all set with rosters at that point. So, yeah, activate, get, us, uh, get a cool team name, and that's really all I got. Awesome, awesome. We are so glad to be back. It's been a month, man. This uh, <laughs> is good to be back, man. Get some uh, get some podcasting done. Right? Yeah. And remember, do hashtag take PFR with you. Get at us, and we'll show you some love. Otherwise, via con Dios. <laughs>